0: Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. Happy New Year! Okay, so, um, yeah, it's a little heavy, but what we're going to be doing for today and for the next several weeks, uh, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking to a place where history illustrates biblical truth and these are some of my favorite message series is when this happens and we don't we need to do more of them but it takes a long time to research this stuff which is why there aren't that many of these series if i if i could like if i could do whatever i wanted like with my whole life i would just preach this kind of stuff because i don't have but for that i need a whole research team and i need like libraries of people and libraries don't have people in them but anyway you know what i'm talking about libraries of books you know what i mean shut up okay so um, our story begins in 1904 on the Lower East Side of Manhattan, in a neighborhood we now refer to as the East Village. But in 1904, the East Village wasn't called the East Village. In 1904, uh, the East Village was called Kleindeutschland. It was little Germany. And there were so many German immigrants living in Kleindeutschland that Kleindeutschland was the third largest German city on planet Earth. Only Berlin and Vienna had more German people living in it than the Lower East Side of Manhattan. That's a fact. So German immigrants were coming in in such amazing numbers uh, that they formed, you know, an enclave of of, uh, like-minded and uh, similar language-speaking people the same way you would if you lived in a country where no one spoke English. You would look for other people who spoke English. Well, this little neighborhood in Germany grew and grew and grew. And if you were a German immigrant, you could live your whole life down there and, and never have to say a word of English. Everybody there spoke German. All the signs were in German. You could read German newspapers. And, and as it was in Germany, the center of spiritual and social life in the neighborhood was the church. And in particular, St. Mark's Evangelical Lutheran Church, which was located on East 6th Street. If you know that neighborhood, East 6th Street is now called St. Mark's Place, named after St. Mark's Evangelical Lutheran Church. So, yeah, there we go. That's a picture of the building as it exists today. Today it is uh, actually a synagogue, but that is St. Mark's as it appeared back then. So, uh, St. Mark's was led by a pastor named Reverend George Haas. Reverend Haas was a really, really good pastor, loved his people, grew the church, uh, the place was thriving. There was all kinds of good stuff going on. And he was a bit of an innovator, Haas was. He, he, he liked to kind of uh, invent new things and, and, and create new programs. He wasn't just like a staunch old kind of died in the wool pastor. He was on the younger side, and he, he wanted to see things moving and thriving. And so he, he kind of began this tradition at the church of an annual Sunday school outing, end-of-the-year Sunday school outing, a, a picnic a day in the park, something like that. And and it was something that the church kind of really looked forward to. Eventually, the church got to a size where... They could start to get out on the water to rent a boat to take them on a short excursion during the day. That was no small thing. That took some money. And eventually, the church became affluent enough where they could do that. They they did fundraisers. They sold uh, they sold tickets. They sold they, they made a program and sold advertising space in the program. The same way you do at your kids' dance recitals, right? You buy a little. Ad, that, that that model was alive and well a hundred years ago. So so they put together the funds to get out on the water and take a day's excursion on the water now that was no small thing in 1904 Uh, any anything you could do to escape the summer heat anything you could do to get out of the city was i mean most people just didn't have that opportunity and you guys get this right like have anybody here ever been in manhattan in the summer I mean, it's hot. Those buildings bake. They keep the heat. It's just, it's punishingly hot. And, uh, you know, when we go into the city, typically, it's not that big a deal because even if it's hot, there's plenty of places where we can go and duck in and just, you know, slurp up some air conditioning, you know? You can stick your head in the Starbucks or go into a store or wherever you want to go and and, and just cool off for a minute and kind of air yourself out. But in 1904 there was no such thing as air conditioning. And there was no escape from the heat. And that coupled with the the smell of the place, the smell of the people, the smell of the animals, the smell of the excrement, the smell of the garbage, and the heat just made New York a very, very difficult place to be during the summer. So anything you could do to get out on the water was a huge deal. This was a Big it wasn't all a Sunday school outing. This was humongous. So uh, on the morning of their excursion, there were 1,300 people on the ship. The, 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 the church was able, because of their size and because of the numbers of people involved, they were able to lease the grandest ship in all of the, of, of the New York waterways, the General Slocum. This is a photo of the Slocum. Massive ship. Uh, 1,300 people may sound like an insane number to you. The General Slocum was actually capable of holding something like 2,500. So it wasn't, that's a lot of people to have on a ship, but at 1,300 the ship was full, but it wasn't elbow to elbow, it wasn't crazy. Uh, This is a very doable number. So, Uh, The whole neighborhood is involved with this. Uh, It's not just people from the church. All of the people who took out advertising space, all of the shop owners and restaurant owners who took out uh, uh, a space in the program were given a book of tickets that they could then give to their favorite customers or family members. So it was the church, and then there were several concentric circles outside of the church, all of whom were from Little Germany, who were making their way toward the General Slocum that morning to get a day on the river where they could breathe a little bit and enjoy a little bit of air. So, uh, the General Slocum was captained uh, by this man, William Van Schaik. Van Schaik was a master mariner with an impeccable service record. He had a crew of capable men around him, and just four weeks before the outing, The ship had a fire inspection and everything was found to be in perfect working condition. So we're all set for a really good day on the water. The dawn breaks on June the 15th, 1904. Let me make sure I got that date right. June the 15th is right, 1904. Dawn breaks. Everyone's making their way down toward the pier in the morning. There's a German band already on board playing German music. So you can hear this in your head, can you not? There's a tuba. There's like, mm, wah, wah, you know, there's, there's like an accordion. You know what I'm talking about. You just you got it, you know? The seagulls are making their noises, and there's a band, and everyone's everyone, there's like that excited buzz. You know, in, in the crowd, and everyone starts to get on the ship. Now, most of the crowd, most of the, the parishioners that day, most of the people on this excursion, were women and children. And that's because in 1904, most men did not have a job that allowed for a day off for such frivolities as uh, a Sunday school picnic. Uh, most men had a job where, you know, uh, <laughs> Paid vacation wasn't really a thing back then. Um, Sick days weren't really a thing. You didn't get personal days, you know. Uh, If you didn't go to work, you just didn't get paid. And most men weren't gonna take a day off from work to do this, so not all, but most of the crowd were women and children. As they all gathered onto the boat, uh, the women began to gather, sing along with the band, the kids all began to play together, the adults and the kids began to separate out, as would be very normal, as, as would happen with your kids. Like, as they get together, Uh, they they kind of start playing, the the adults kind of release them because they're on the ship, they're pretty safe, and these are not just people who share a common ethnicity, they're not just from the same neighborhood, most of them are from the same church, so everyone's pretty familiar with each other. Everyone's kind of hanging out, Uh, people are drinking beer, as German people are known to do from time to time, and it's just a beautiful morning, 10 a.m., the lines are cast off, And the General Slocum takes to the East River and heads north for a two, two two-and-a-half-hour journey to a place on the north shore of Long Island, which then was called Locust Grove, which we now call Eaton's Neck. So they're headed out there for a a nice day at the beach. And we, we don't know exactly how the fire started, but we know where it began. It began in a room called the Lamp Room. Front of the boat, lowest level. The lamp room, as you may have guessed, held all the fuel for the kerosene lamps that lit the ship after the sun went down. So there's barrels of kerosene, oily rags, canvas tarps, and packing material for the catered event that had taken place earlier that week aboard the General Slocum. Now, when there was a catered event aboard a ship like this, the glasses and the plates and the finery were brought on board in barrels and boxes, packed with the only packing material they used in 1904, straw. So the lamp room was full of kerosene, oily rags, canvas tarps, and straw. Now, some of you are already thinking, Duh. But understand, the world was a different place a hundred years ago. Yes? The world was a different place 20 years ago. The world was a very different place a hundred years ago. A hundred years ago, that that was not an unusual thing. So as the chip passes 97th Street. A young boy named Frank Perditsky runs up, 12-year-old boy named Frank Perditsky runs up to the bridge and says, I smell smoke, I think there's a fire. He is instantly dismissed by the crew. Everybody just goes, get out of here, kid, beat it. This was not the first time they had heard that. Mischievous boys were always trying to play pranks and get into trouble, and they were just like, yeah, thanks very much, take a walk. They dismissed him. An interval of time later... A deckhand named, um, sorry, I, I gotta memorize these names a little better. A deckhand named Corcoran, John Corcoran, was having his mid morning beer because that was a thing that was a thing. So he's enjoying his mid morning beer. Another kid, not the first kid, runs up to him and says, Mister, there's smoke coming out of the stairway. Trying to get directions to 97th Street? That's good. <laughs> Siri is enjoying my sermon. It's good. Um, so, that was pretty good. That was awesome. That's actually never happened to me before. That's a, that's a first. So, Corcoran puts his beer down, leans over, and goes, Oh, okay, there's actually smoke coming up from the stairwell. He runs downstairs and he finds a small fire burning in the lamp room. He attempts to put the fire out with charcoal. Easy, easy, everybody, (laughs) judgy people. Um, That actually could have worked. Charcoal is a slow burning thing. That would have allowed him to smother the fire long enough to go back and get water and really take care of it. Regrettably, it didn't work. So he went and found the first mate, Flanagan, and comes downstairs and says, listen, we've got a fire on this ship. We're in trouble. Flanagan goes, right, let's go to the fire hose. There's a fire hose not far from the lamp room. They get to the fire hose. They unfurl it. Canvas fire hose, yeah? They unfurl it. They hit the gauge. They they throw the lever to, to call for the water. The fire hose kinks and kinks and kinks and does this as a fire hose will. Gets to the end and promptly bursts in six places. The canvas had simply deteriorated from years of non-use. Okay, we still have a chance. The fire's getting intense now. There's a fire hose on the other side of the ship. We can disconnect that fire hose, bring that fire hose to this side of the ship. They run to the other side of the ship, they get the other fire hose, but the flange is wrong. The flange from the other side of the ship won't fit in the hole for this fire hose. So now, now we're in real trouble. Now the fire has, is starting to be, as they say, fully involved. Shortly thereafter, people start to panic. Smoke is now billowing up from a lower, a lower level. Uh, jokes about how they're, they're burning the lunch and maybe they spilled some of the chowder are no longer passing for what the people see coming up out of the stairwell. But... The captain and the bridge don't yet know about it because the ship is moving forward at a pretty good clip. The smoke is, is peeling off the sides of the ship and moving behind it as smoke will in that scenario. So it's, a, it's, it's, it's several minutes before Captain Van Shake is informed that the ship is on fire. But now, by this time, people are facing a far worse danger than the fire. Panic is beginning to set in. People are screaming. People are running around. They go for the lifeboats. There are lifeboats on board the Slocum, uh, as law required. Regrettably, these lifeboats had been painted to the deck. The pulleys that held the lifeboats that would allow them to be worked and brought over the water had been packed with wire because they were making noise in the wind that was irritating. The panic continues, and now they begin to grab the life preservers. They pull down the life preservers and start giving out life preservers. There were more than enough life preservers for everybody on the ship. Regrettably, these life preservers weren't super-functional. In 1904, the buoyant material in life preservers was cork. Canvas life preservers with cork inside. As they passed these life preservers out, many of them just disintegrated to the touch, the canvas having just fallen apart from the exposure to the sun and the salt. The cork inside many of these life-preservers, the ones where the canvas held, the cork inside many of these life-preservers had simply turned to dust, cork dust. And cork dust is not only not buoyant, cork dust takes on water and becomes heavy. So hundreds of people put on a life preserver, jumped in the water, and sank like a stone. Now it's getting bad. Now people are panicking, and Captain Van Shake makes a decision to beach the ship on North Brother Island, sees this as his best option, points the ship toward North Brother Island uh, not, not too far away, and aims his ship there so that they can beach the ship and start allowing people to peel off. this was horror. People are lining the streets, people are walking, hundreds and hundreds of people are now approaching the docks along the East River to look at this now blazing inferno peeling its way up the East River. Everyone's screaming, it's just, it's, it's this scene, it's, it's a scene right out of a horror movie. It's awful. Here's what we know by the numbers. 1,300 people on board the ship, ship takes off at 10. Ship catches fire around 11, and before noon, more than 1,000 people have died. For perspective, something like 1,500 died in the wreck of the Titanic. This was a massive loss of life. And I'm aware some of you are here, like some of you are here for the first time, like what kind of church is this? What, what? <laughs> You know, e- even you guys who come here every week, like this is the new year message? What, what, hello? I know, but you know what? I don't have any apologies to make, and here's why. Tomorrow has not been promised to you. Tomorrow has not been promised to you, and we only ever talk about that at funerals. There were some people... Exactly. Um, That's amazing. Uh Uh-oh is right, kiddo. It's one of those days I'm going to do some crowd work, it looks like. Anybody else have a comment for me? All right. So... You know, we talk about these, when, when someone passes away, we, there's a funeral, and somebody gets up and says, you know, tomorrow is not a uh, promise to you, and to, you ought to live for today, and we all go, yeah, yeah, it's important, and, and then we just go back to our lives and forget, right? And let's, I'm not trying to be macabre, and I'm not trying to stir up some big emotional moment for you, but let's, let's talk facts. There are some people who were here, many of you have somebody in your life, who was here at the start of 2022 who didn't make it to 2023. And there are some people here today for the start of 2023 that won't still be here when the new year rings in for 2024. I'm not trying to be like, I'm not trying to big downer over the whole thing, but we we have to face that. There's a clock on us. We have a limited amount of time with which to draw breath and do something good with our lives. We're called to live for something bigger than just us. This is from the Gospel of Mark. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the Gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? What can anyone give In exchange for their soul. So maybe you're new to church and you're thinking, what what on earth does that mean? if you want to live, save your life, you lose it. If you want to save, gain your life, you save it. I don't know. I don't understand. Here's, here's what that verse means in plain English. If you live for you, if you're all about you, if your life is all about what you can have, what you can acquire, what you can accomplish, and how many boxes you can check for you, you might get there. You might get all of that stuff. You might accomplish all of those things but still lose your soul. And then what will you have gained? That's what the verse means. What, how does it profit you? It, how, how is it good for you to gain the whole, what if you had the whole world? What if you had it all, everything you've ever wanted and more, and you lost your soul? How would that profit you? But this reverse logic that this, this verse introduces, you want to save your life, then you lose it. You want to save your life, you want to find true life, lose it. Lose that, that old life. Kick that old life to the curb. That old me first, It's uh, I'm going to live for me and do everything for me and be all about me. Nobody thinks that they live that way, but many people do. So what it takes is a little examination. And now is a perfect time to ask yourself, what do I want to live for in 2023? What do I want my life to be about God gave you a mission to accomplish on this earth and it may look different for every single person as it fleshes itself out but for all of us it will involve honoring God loving others and serving the world around us that's what the mission God gave to you looks like it's been a while since I mentioned it but my favorite book is The Lord of the Rings big fan, read it multiple times My favorite passage in The Lord of the Rings comes when Frodo and his party are lost underground in a mine. It's dark and it's terrible. Gandalf, the guide, and Frodo, our protagonist, are talking about how hard life is at the moment. The sorrow they've experienced, the suffering that's happening all around them, the truly terrible state of the world as it currently exists. And Frodo says, I wish it need not have happened in my time. So do I, said Gandalf. So do all who live to see such things. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time given us. You have to decide what to do with the time given you. There's a clock on each one of us, and it's counting backwards. That's how it is. You have have today. You may not have the whole year, but you have today. I may not have the whole year, but I have today. We have today to glorify God with our lives, to live for something bigger than us. And when you discover that, when you tap into that, You save your own life. Not that you're your own redeemer. God forgives your sins. We respond and say, God, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to respond to your love. I'm going to respond to your mercy. I'm going to respond to the way you've touched my life by honoring you in every area of my life. I'm going to love the world around me. I'm going to serve the world around me and, and kick to the curb this old selfish way of living guys, if we can pull that off, 2023 is going to be an amazing year. So it's my job to keep that in front of us. It's my job and our teaching team's job to keep that in front of us as we move into this year, and I'm excited about what's to come. Really, I am. Now, to the obvious question, how could a 1,000 people die on the East River in June? It's a really good question. There are several answers to that question, and we're going to pick one apart each week for the next several weeks and learn as we go. We'll pick it up right from here next Sunday. Hope to see you back for part two. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We love you and we thank you for the opportunity to gather and worship and remember We thank you, Father, I thank you, and we all thank you for a reminder that this life is just a vapor. This life comes and goes really, really quickly. And we have been given today with which to honor you and and chase after you, to chase after something bigger and grander with our life and our energy and our resources and our days. Help us to be people who live life that way. Help us to be people who kick to the curb our old ways of selfishness and inward focus and live our lives in response to who you are and what you've done. May this be so in my life. May this be so in all of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give, or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word TRUE NORTH to 77977 on your cell phone, and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.